Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland. It's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. Today, we welcome special guest co-host Julian Gill. Julian, how are you? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thanks a lot for having me on Talking Metal. Oh, it was great to meet you out at the uh, 
Rock and Pod Expo and talk Kiss with you. I've since gotten a few of your books, and I want to just do. And we had you on an episode, actually. Joe Beck did a, a interview with you where you guys went into Def Leppard, and today we're going to talk about Kiss because there's a couple things going on. I wanted to get into with you. I would call you a, a Kiss expert. Let's talk first about the 40th anniversary of Kiss Alive 2. We are right now posting an article on TalkingMetal.com that you wrote about Kiss Alive 2. It's been 40 years. Let's talk about your first memories of this record. You know, when I got into Kiss, I got in very late, uh, joining in the 1980s. So I'm a, uh, you know, I, I miss the 70s. So when right. I went back and started um, kind of catch up on all the old albums, it was the compilation and the live albums that gave me the best bang for my buck as a 15-year-old. So Alive 2 was one of those first ones that I got just because it had a lot of songs on it for the price. Right. And you know, right from back then, it was a fantastic album. It summed up the second three studio albums in their catalog perfectly. Um, obviously, they didn't repeat any of the songs that had been released on the original Alive album. So it felt like a continuation of that live project for them, even though it didn't quite sound quite the same. Yeah. And right now, let's get into a little music. This is the song that I just thought was just so explosive off a of Kiss Alive 2. It is God of Thunder.
the Kiss classic God of Thunder, 40 years old, that version of that song, because we are at the 40th anniversary of Kiss Alive 2. And wow, what a record it was. Of course, you had the three sides of live material, which you mentioned did not duplicate anything that was on on Kiss Alive. And then you had the, the fourth side with the studio tracks. Let's talk a little bit about those tracks. How, what were your feelings about those? Did they seem like filler to you? Did you, did you, were you really into those songs on side four? I wasn't there in 1977, so I couldn't say whether they felt like filler. For me, right. you know, when I listened to them, I was like, oh, wow, this is Kiss, you know, where they were in 1977. At that point, it was, uh, you know, all a bit of a, you know, a fairy tale, the, the story of Kiss. You didn't realize that they were going to go off and do the Silk albums and blah, 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 all this other stuff. <laughs> so it, it's not filler. Rocket Ride. Top 40 hit, regardless of Paola. It's a great song, a fantastic Ace Frehley anthem. It stands the test of time. It's that one song I would have loved Kiss to have pulled out on the reunion tour or on Psycho Circus or on any other farewell instead of Heavens on Fire and Holy and all that stuff. You know, Rocket Ride. To get the spacemen actually singing that song live with Kiss playing, it would have been just the most awesome thing. You know, the rest of it, you know, I'll only call one of these songs filler and that's the last one that's any way you want it right i can understand why they put it on both gene and paul like the band so it made sense as a cover right dave Dave clark five you know so i I totally get where they were coming from it just with all the other songs that were kind of suggested that they could have recorded for alive to the studio side it just um you know it's one that to me is about as good as um, then she kissed me on Love Gun. So, it, you right. know, it's, it's, it's not that important as a song. Right. Now, you mentioned that you were 15. I don't know how old you were, but you, you didn't really experience them in the 70s. So this, when, when were you 15? In the 80s? Yeah, I was 15 in 86. Okay. So. Yeah. So you're, you're probably about a year younger than me. But for me, it's interesting because I remember getting into them at the same time I was into Spider-Man and, and you know, the superheroes and, and Hulk and all that. And they fit right in perfectly with all that. For me, uh, I had seen them on TV and, and, you know, I got into them that way and they really... You know, I'd been listening to my my parents' Beatles records and stuff like that, but they were really, truly the first hard rock band that that I ever really discovered, and it was because of that crossover. I was just as fascinated, possibly more fascinated, with the way they looked and the idea of these superheroes than than I uh, than I was with the music. And then, you know, of course, I heard the music and I got hooked on that. But it's it's interesting. So when you were let's see in the seventies, you probably were maybe a little young, but still you didn't, did you, were you aware of them as like a preteen or nine or 10 year old? Pretty much. No. Um, I moved to America when I was seven years old. That's 1978. And living in England in the seventies, um, it didn't resonate with me whatsoever. I had never seen them. I have no recollection of them whatsoever. The only music I was aware of when I came to the States was Boney M and uh, Donnie Osmond and, and little Jimmy Osmond, of course. Right. So that was uh, about my, uh, you know, all I knew of the music apart from, you know, my family uh, was from Liverpool. So the Beatles were a big part in the household. Sure. So I, I, I knew that stuff. I, when I started going to school in uh, early 79, 
it was I was aware of Kiss because at a talent show, some kids dressed up in tinfoil and their mom's leotards and uh, did yeah. do some Black Diamond at the talent show, but it didn't register. I just thought, oh, that's odd. And, you know, five years later with Asylum, uh, you know, then I was like, oh, Kiss. Okay. And kind of made the connection back as I started investigating the catalog. So I got into the unmasked Kiss and then discovered that they actually wore makeup. And then it connected with, you know, uh, several years earlier. Now, were you like an '80s hard rock commercial heavy metal guy? Is that and then is that what kind of brought you to Kiss? Because they, you know, when they stripped off that makeup and with especially with Paul Stanley's voice and look, you know, they really fit in well with the whole '80s metal and hard rock commercial hard rock scene that was going on at that time. Were you a fan of that scene? And is that how you kind of discovered the '80s era Kiss? It, it probably is. I mean, early 80s, Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll, is my first hard rock album. It's the first 45 I ever owned. And then I started getting into, I, I guess, uh, Duran Duran moved into Quiet Riot and Def Leppard in 83. Sure. And then, then of course, I'm watching MTV all the time and Twist's sister, Molly Crew, And, you know, you couldn't escape any of that stuff in 85. And it, it was uh, just one of those videos, and it was actually Tears Are Falling or All Night that uh, right. caught my attention. <laughs> right. Probably the latter of those with the girls. Right. But, uh, you know, uh, for, for the teenager in me, it was, uh, you know, natural progression just through the rock stuff that happened in the 80s that caught everyone's attention. Cool. Very cool. I always love hearing people's stories and how they got into Kiss and, and other bands. So thanks for sharing that with us. You know, speaking of 80s era Kiss, Vinnie Vincent. A big part of that era of Kiss, especially the early 80s. Let's talk about Vinny. He hasn't been seen in a very long time. It was recently announced that he is going to be appearing in Atlanta. I think I saw on Facebook that you're going. I just bought my plane tickets today. I'm going. Lots of people are going. Lots of people are excited by this. What are your just general thoughts on Vinnie Vincent coming back into the public eye after literally, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but decades at this point, right? You know, the last time he was in the public eye was in a mugshot yeah, going back true. a few years yeah. to something that happened with his then wife, who has unfortunately since uh, passed on. Yes. You know, so so Vinny has a very, very sad post-kiss career. Obviously, his solo, solo career didn't go so well. His band basically dumped him and became Slaughter and did very well. And right. then in the 90s, uh, you know, he ha- didn't do too much. He did do some uh, expos back then. And then in the, the 2000s, and on, you know, he was fighting Kiss in court and losing. Um, his original first wife died, uh, was murdered, and then his second wife passed away. And right. you know, it, it, it's really a story of uh, of woe. So I'm I'm thoroughly excited that he he feels ready to come back into the public eye. Um, Earlier this year, obviously, I had a chance to go to the Peter Chris appearance at the L.A. Kiss Expo, which is organized by the same promoter. And it's a kind of similar story that, you know, Peter had fallen out of the public eye and you get to go and see these people. And if nothing else for me, it's to say thank you for the music. Thank you for all the pleasure that you've given me over the years. And Vinnie Vincent, goodness me, if you look back to the contributions that he made on Creatures of the Night and then what is it, nine out of ten songs on Lick It Up that he right. co-writes. Um, incredible contributions to history there. 
and then he go, he goes his own way. And the first Invasion album is, uh, you know, it's a little bit over the top for me now and doesn't date right. very well. But All, All Systems Go is a fantastic album for the time. Right. So it'll be it'll be nice just to see him, get a photograph with him, you know, a couple of autographs, and you know, say thank you, Vinny, for the music. Right. And, and of course, his work with on Revenge too. Right. Absolutely. You know, and uh, maybe we're going to get to hear some of the additional tracks on Gene Simmons Vols that didn't make that album. Right. Those are the ones I'm more interested in at this point because uh, I believe he wrote six songs with the band for Revenge, and only three made it onto the album. Okay. So. Possibly three. Who knows? And I think Derek has also mentioned that there might be new music in the offing from Vinny, which uh, if you follow any of the kind of collector side of things, he did have an album ready for Enigma in the early 90s, which, you know, um, some material has leaked out yeah. for, which just blows my mind. I would just love to give him the money for a crystal clear copy of that album. Right. Now you mentioned Derek. You're talking about Derek Christopher, who is the guy who's organizing this Atlanta Kiss Expo 2018. Vinny will be there, I, I believe, on the 19th and 20th and possibly 21st, too. But I think his big public appearance is on the 20th. And I'm completely psyched to to see Vinny and hang out with all of you fellow Kiss fans, people like like Julian. I know Chris from uh, Decibel Geeks going to be there. There's going to be a ton of people there, so it should be a lot of fun. Are are you going to have a table or anything there, Julian? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have a dealer table at the Atlanta Vinny Vincent Expo, and uh, Tim McFate, uh, co-author of Odyssey and. The Gene Ace, Peter, and Paul book will be there as well, and we'll be signing copies of those books. We have a new title that will be available and some other special goodies for people who attend the Atlanta Expo. So we, we can't wait. You oh, know, cool. We're going to get to meet – we're going to meet a whole bunch of people. There are going to be other authors who have uh, done some very, very exciting books in the past and in the present who are going to be there. And, of course, meeting the fans and you know just fellow fans and talking Kiss and Vinny and – and whatever is, uh, you know, music is going to be a total, you know, enjoyable experience, I'm sure. Right. And you mentioned a new book that will be debuting at the at the expo, I assume. Yeah, it's it's going to be a limited edition. Okay. Over the past 18 months, I've published a series of three books called Kiss on Tour. I've done it in three volumes, 1973 to 83, 83 to, I think, 97, and then 98 to 2016. I'm doing a special 1,000-page, 11 book, um, just hardbound with a limited edition cover cool. for the Atlanta Expo. And it, it, it's oh, nice. going to be very limited edition. And it's going to be completely up to date because obviously if you're researching KISS touring history, it changes every day. You find something new, you find a new set list, you find a new review. So um, for people who do get this one, it'll be the the latest, greatest, biggest, baddest book uh, I think ever published privately about KISS. Well, I want to get into some more music, but before we do that, I just want to ask you about your research that goes into these books, uh, the Kiss books and the Def Leppard book that you spoke about on a previous episode of Talking Metal. You mention new facts and, you know, you discover new things uh, every day or every week or every month, whatever. Where do you find this stuff? Because I find that the internet... The, the history, and I'm not just talking about music history or history, I'm talking about history in general. There's, there's so much of it that doesn't exist on the internet. 
And we get to a certain point in history, maybe the the 90s or something, and everything, newspaper articles and all that, reviews and set lists start appearing. But before a certain time, there's so much of history that's that's lost from being captured on the internet. So where do, do you do you end up going digging through old magazines or going to the library and going through microfilm or microfiche or whatever you call that stuff? Where do you where do you get your your historic facts from? I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's from the internet, but there has to. I, I'm also guessing there's probably a lot of it that just isn't on the internet. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's hard to consider the internet a primary source. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether you find something there, you have to go back and. Uh, basically validate it through a traditional method. I spend a lot of time in the library. I get microfilm in all the time from other libraries of newspapers, and then it's a matter of trawling through them. You you basically have a a ballpark of where you want to be looking for, um, you know, something in particular. So you you call in a a newspaper from a certain city that you're researching with a a certain time frame. And then it's basically you read the paper just like you would have 40 years ago for the actual paper when it was in print. And sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you find something. Sometimes you find a tangent, which is, I, I find that even more exciting because you, you just, you go somewhere you didn't expect to be going, find some information. Um, some of it's luck. You see someone posted something and you're able to follow up with them and find another source. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't get any easier, even with technology. Now, right. over the last few years, a lot of newspapers have been digitized and are now searchable. And you usually have to pay a subscription to the sites that allow you access into it. That has made things a heck of a lot easier. But in many cases, you still then have to go back and recall the microfilm to go and make sure that you know everything's attributed properly, that it is actually as it appears um, in a digitized format. So it's a shortcut, but it's not an absolute shortcut so you know there have been plenty that have uh, kind of caused errors have uh, given you kind of the wrong information that if you don't then go and do your due diligence you're just not going to have it 100 percent, which is what wow. you don't want right right absolutely and on that note let's get into some vinnie vincent music this is vinnie vincent invasion and the song is back on the streets Just makes my 
little Vinnie Vincent here on Talking Metal. And we are joined by Julian Gill, who has just written some terrific books on KISS, a KISS expert. And he's going to be at the Atlanta KISS Expo 2018 on January 20th with Vinnie Vincent. Talking Metal will also be there. So definitely hit the uh, Atlanta KISS Expo, guys, and come say hello. So that song right there, Julian was on the first Invasion record, but KISS did a version of that too. Um, do you, I don't, we haven't planned this out in advance, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you, do you know any, off the top of your head, any of the history of that specific song? Uh, I, I do know this, that the, the original Vinnie Vince demo of that is one of my all-time favorite Vinnie songs. Right. Forget the Invasion version, go back to pre-Warrior, and when Vinnie's cutting a demo of that on his own, singing the whole thing, the guy had a voice. Now, let's go to your actual question, which is, what do I know about the Kiss version? Is that just about every person in that band tried singing a version of it? Including Vinnie Ace. recorded it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ace did that separately with his uh, for right. Comet band yeah. because of shared management. But uh, Paul sang a version. Gene tried a version. Vinny did a version. And Eric Carr apparently also wow. did a vocal for it in 1982. And for whatever reason, the song was left off Creatures of the Night. Um, I, That's crazy. I do hear that it had, had something to do with publishing. It had a little bit more to perhaps competing with Paul's I Still Love You, which... Um, you know, anyone who follows the band knows that if you compete with Paul Stanley for a song on an album, you're not going to win if you're right. not Paul Stanley. Right. And rightfully so. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because, you know, you mentioned I didn't I had no no clue that Eric Carr had done a, a, a vocal version of that. But I had this when I was a, when I was a teenager, I had this like bootleg, you know, I used to collect bootlegs from concerts and I had this bootleg from a show, a Fraley's Comet show at Lemoore's, like from like probably the mid eighties, I'm guessing. And it would have been before I think Todd Howarth had joined the band. Cause it, I, and I believe Richie Scarlett was singing the song with Fraley's Comet before the Fraley's Comet record came out. Um, when they did this show at Lemoore's and I used to have a, a cassette bootleg of that because then of course, Richie left and they got Todd and then later Richie came back. But does that sound right? Yeah, that would have been the March 85 outing with Richie okay. when he was still in the band. Right. And that for me, you know, that's a fantastic version with Richie. Yeah. Just uh, in, in- Incredibly powerful. It gets a little bit more of, uh, you know, Richie's got a great voice. He sings some of the rock and roll stuff fantastically. So, you know, that, they have a great demo of that as well for Ellie's Comet recording it. So, so, again, a great song is a great song, regardless of who's doing it. Richie brings something completely different to it than Vinny does on his vocal. And of course, one of the holy grails for Kiss collectors is the Paul Stanley version from Creatures, which hopefully one day we'll get to hear. Yeah, it's it's surprising they didn't put that out on like the box set or something, you know, back when they put that out. Uh, still publishing issues, you think, with it or, or you don't know? I, you know, I don't know, but they didn't have a very good relationship with Vinny. I can't remember if it's uh, when he had started suing them for, you know, he did engage in a a very long term legal battle with the band. That was fine. I think it took 10 years to make it to the Supreme Court. And that's how high it went in the U.S. So, you know, it was a a pretty big deal and he lost in the end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be surprising. That's why a lot of Vinny stuff doesn't surface, why the Vinny Vincent archives didn't surface. And, you know, it, it kind of explains a lot of kind of the challenges that have uh, uh, afflicted Vinny. Right. Um, 
you know, when he's not been doing anything actively musically. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it should be interesting to see him in, in the flesh at the KISS Expo in Atlanta on January 20th. And let's talk a little bit about your, your site, KISS FAQ. Can you tell us a little bit about when you founded that site and a little of the story behind it? You know, I, I took the KISS FAQ away from the previous person. Uh, Eric, Alex Carranza was running it in the mid-1990s off his university web server back at the dawn of time on the internet. And when Bruce and Eric wow. left the band in August 1996, he kind of threw his hands up and said, that's it, I'm done and out. And I kind of said, well, if that's the case, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to start updating it. And that was the birth of my version of the KISS FAQ. I certainly wow. didn't originate a lot of the info. So a lot of the info was, was already there. And- a lot of the information on the original KISS FAQ was just very broad. So I thought I would dig into it, try and develop that information and broaden it. And with each passing year, it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually... Um, you know, we just made the website, the KISS FAQ, bought the domain, put a message board on there, and let fans come in and just have their debates and discussions. And that's what the KISS FAQ is more known for now is the yeah. discussion board. It's, uh, you know, a bit of, it's a bit of a debating ground that's falling by the wayside as Facebook becomes preeminent. But uh, for pretty much the last 15 years, it's been a important place for KISS fans to kind of congregate. You know, there, there have been other places. The information that we have there, we've worked into books, and obviously Tim McVeigh was uh, a major part of that in doing a lot of interviews with very many people who are associated with the band. So, you know, that's what the, the website was and is. What's the future? I don't know. I don't think about it. I just uh, live it day to day and uh, go in there and see what the fans are talking about and see what interests me. Right on, right on. And, you know, you mentioned for you personally, the the first Vinnie Vincent Invasion record hasn't aged that well. I, I pulled out my vinyl copy, which I got when it came out this past weekend, and put it on and spun the side one and then side two right after it. And I got to tell you, for me personally, it's, it's aged well. And I mean, it was, it was one of my favorite albums for maybe a six week span back when it came out. I I really loved it. So I know that there's this emotional attachment for it, uh, for me to that record. And I recognize it's incredibly cheesy and over the top, but there's something for me personally there. And, and I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. I think it really does still sound, sound good after all these, these years, you you seem to be more into the Mark Slaughter songs that, uh, he did with, with the invasion. Is that a correct statement? Oh, with, without a doubt. And, you know, I, I'll put my hand up and say I'm guilty. I will take the studio re-recording with Mark doing Shoot You Full of Love over Roberts right. any day of the week. Really? I'm also, okay. I, I guess I guess I'm a little bit more melodic that my favorite song on the album is Invasion, which right. is, you know, a, it's a, a contrast to everything else. I think Animal and Twisted are, are, are good songs, but mm-hmm. uh, Give Me Invasion and I and I'm a happy camper, and then give me anything on all systems go, which I know Vinny's not a big fan of, uh, feeling a little bit restrained by the right. suits and having to be a little bit melodic. So you know, it it's it's a good album. It's sonically, 
it doesn't stand up well. It sounds very 1986. Yeah. Uh, it, it hasn't aged well in terms of how it sounds to me. It it doesn't matter that there are some good songs on the album. It just doesn't sound great 30, well, 31 years later. Yeah. What do you think Vinny does at this point going forward? I mean, he's going to do this, this Atlanta kiss expo in January, but, but what, what's next? I mean, there, there's no way he's going to get a band together and start touring again. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm imagining, well, not imagining. I mean, Derek even said this, the organizer of the convention. This is probably a one-off. Do you think he does this and then kind of just disappears again and that's it? Is this the last time we'll ever see Vinny? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the case, that yeah. this is your one-off opportunity to see Vinny and get a, a picture with him. Missed right. him in nice... But I, I don't think it necessarily means this is all for Vinny. Euphoria is up on iTunes, okay. and that was an album that he did by himself. Right. I, I think, think he could, if he wanted, to leverage a little bit of the publicity that's going to come with this January appearance and get some music up there, whether it's his archives finally out to the, you know, the masses or an EP. And there's still some rock bands out there that I... I'd love to have, you know, Denman in Nashville, yeah. Mark Slaughter on back, backing vocals on that EP produced by uh, uh, Michael Wagner. How would some band love to say with a guest guitar solo by Vinnie Vincent, you know, and pay the guy enough to do the solo over the Internet? You don't need to be in the same room anymore. So I would love to see him leverage it in some way, whether it means him, you know, just doing some stuff digitally. I, I really wouldn't want to do mail order. That didn't right. work out very yeah. well in 1997. Um, but maybe he can get people to trust again, which um, I hope this whole appearance is going to be part of rebuilding the trust with the fans. But you know, on iTunes, you know, five ninety nine for a three a three song EP. Yeah, I'd go for that or a record store day, Vinnie Vincent EP. <laughs> yeah, good idea, definitely. And a couple thoughts in your comments right there. A can he still play guitar? I mean, guitar is one of these things where we saw Jimmy Page put the guitar down for, you know, a 10 year span or something. And he, he's, he just never really regained what he, what he, what he had. And I thought when Zeppelin got back together for that, that concert, whatever it was, 10, 10, 11 years ago at this point in, in London there, I thought Page just, he couldn't play anymore. I mean, he, he really had a, it was, simplified versions of, of the Led Zeppelin songs that he was playing. You know, we saw that with, with, you could say we saw that with Peter when he was back in kiss in the nineties, that the, the drum parts were simplified. And according to Paul, they had triggers going on to make him sound bigger. Do, do you think Vinny is still capable of, of whipping out a good guitar solo? I mean, I wonder if he even plays anymore. Well, apparently he plays every day. Really? Is he capable okay. of what, what? What is a good Vinny solo? Are we going to say that it's something off the Invasion album, or are we going to go into something on Lick It Up, right. which is more melodic, or All Systems Go, which is slower? 
mm-hmm. better phrased and technically more appealing. Or even go back to Treasure and the two songs, Innocent Eyes, and uh, what was the other one? Turn Yourself Around, you know, which are, are just fantastic pop tunes with very tasteful solos. Can he play like that? I think that's more likely than the 875 notes per minute. Right, right. And and when you say that he plays every day, where where do you get that info? That that came off um, the Derek Christopher interview on um, what was that on Three Sides of the Coin, I believe. Oh, did uh, okay. he mention right. that, that that he still played every day? And whether or not that is the case, I, I would hope. I would hope so. I'd, okay, I'd cool. hate to think of someone like Benny Vincent putting down the guitar and yeah. not writing and not noodling away. Right. Absolutely. And then the other thing is you mentioned, I guess it was 1997, the mail order thing where people laid down, what was it at that time? A hundred bucks, I think for music by Vinnie Vincent that never materialized is, am I saying that correctly? That's how I remember it. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some uh, devil in the details there, but right. it was about a hundred dollars that um, fans did pay for Metaluna's Vinnie Vincent Archives, which was a, supposed to be a several cassette box set. But um, you know, even looking back at what the proposed track listing would include, that would have had so many issues with Kiss at the time that um, it's hardly surprising that nothing happened. Okay. And then, of course, he got he got into the lawsuits. So again, not surprising it didn't didn't occur. When you say he got into the lawsuits, you mean with Kiss? Yeah. Yeah. So were the lawsuits brought against him for not delivering this this CD and not, I guess, not giving people their money back? I've never heard of one against Vinny. I've never seen anything in the kind of the law realm that suggests anyone sued Vinny for non-delivery of that. So, okay. So this was $100. So how many fans... Do we think, do we know how many people approximately put down a hundred bucks to, you know, and got ripped off, never got their money back, never got the CD? No idea. And I, I, yeah. I wonder how many of them kept the receipts or their paperwork. They would have received letters of acknowledgement from Metal Luna, I would right. expect or, or hope some sort of of uh, receipt for that payment. And then, of course, there were the several letters that were sent that followed it that were excuses of this is going to be coming next. And then they added that, you know, we're going to be re-recording all systems go to do it the way Vinny wanted it and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it was quite a drawn out process before he really just kind of cut an ran right so yeah i mean i don't know if it was 500 people that put down 100 bucks or if it was you know five people probably somewhere in between there i but do do we think are people still pissed about this you know i i loaned a friend you know 100 bucks like about 12 years ago and never paid me back and i was kind of pissed for the first three or four years but i at this point i it's I, I don't really care anymore. Do we think people are, are people still pissed at Vinnie Vincent 19 years later about the hundred bucks? Some apparently are. I, really? I, I mean, okay. if you go on to some of the message boards or Facebook, they're like, you know, they, they do complain. That guy took a hundred bucks and a hundred bucks, like 1997 is still a good chunk of change. So yeah, it's probably like I, 150 I, I, bucks by today's standard or, or so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You can understand why people would be annoyed, which is why, you know, when I started talking about Vinny's appearance in Atlanta, that would be great if he had some way of kind of dealing with that straight off the bat. If he's got a a way of kind of disarming complaints of anyone who comes up and says, you took my money. Um, 
and he, ah, you know, explain it, you know, put out a, a press release or a video before Atlanta that says, you know, from his point of view, what happened, what went wrong and what he's going to do to make it right. Because no doubt he can't just be handing out a hundred bucks to everyone who says, I bought your archives and you never delivered because how do they prove it? How does he prove it? You know, it, it, it's past the statute of limitations by a decade or more. Right. What, and you know he's going to address this. I really think that that's probably, you know, in, in speaking with Derek, it sounds like he wants to set the record straight on a bunch of stuff. And I'm sure this has to be one of the things he's going to talk about. What What is he going to say? What I mean, we're just guessing here, but what... What do you suspect he's going to say that that he somebody stole the money from him? I mean, what he's going to have some sort of excuse, right? I, I, well, I don't, I don't really want to say that. I hope he has some excuse. I just hope he has an explanation that right. people okay. can kind of that they can accept. I didn't buy it, so I, I don't know what it felt like to, you know, feel like I've been ripped off a hundred dollars. So I, I, I just can't project myself onto those fans who maybe it was a, you know, a paycheck for them that they sent him and they never got anything. I just hope that he addresses it in some form that he either says, you know, here is a, you know, a little sampler CD. I'm sorry. You know, there's nothing I can do. There were things outside of my control, but here is something, something special just uh, to give them and maybe disarm the situation. And, you know, I hope Derek is, uh, you know, very aware of this. And I'm sure he is because, um, you know, it, it's one of those things as a Kiss fan, everyone is very much aware of with Vinny is kind of the elephant in the room, the big pink right. elephant. <laughs> big pink elephant. Nice. Um, yeah, it, it, it seems, I just, for me, it's mind boggling that people would still be pissed off about it. But, but sure. Okay. So I, I do think he's probably going to address that at the, uh, at the expo, the sexual reassignment rumors, <laughs> which Derek said in the interview I did with him was bullshit. Um, I'm sure that'll, that'll be addressed. It might just be by seeing him, but where did those start from? I was talking with somebody once and they told me that there was a post dinner at one of the expos that Vinny was at, and he threw out that comment to the people who were sitting around the table, and that that's where that rumor started. Have you ever heard that? I've never heard that one. I do remember, I think it was 2004, when Kiss were trying to do their Kiss World store in Australia. They even got Vinny involved to signing merchandise and pictures and posters and whatnot. And one of the pictures that they showed on, I think it was on Kiss Online, right. was Vinny holding up one of the posters in a back yeah. garden. And it was blocking out his whole body, so you could just see his face, a little bit like that teaser video. Yeah. Uh, but you could also see his feet, and he was like wearing these very ladylike loafers. <laughs> yeah. and I know the picture you're talking about. Yeah, so every, everyone was like, oh, he's you know, he's gone to the other side. Or yeah. Because in the 90s when he was doing the archives box set that he was answering the phone with, this is Meredith in Department B or whatever, yeah. you know, there was just... He was answering. I know he was sending emails as Meredith, but he was answering the phone as Meredith too. Apparently, and uh, yeah. because I never called and never had reason to, you know, I can only go by what is utterly hearsay and right. as probably as preposterous as the whole rumor is in the first place. So, uh, any of these things that we've heard are probably equally insane. Yeah, crazy story, and I, you know, I, I almost let the guy off the hook for for not 
delivering on the the hundred dollars that I don't know. I can't imagine it was more than a few hundred people laid down, which is still, yeah, it's a lot of money, but still it's like, it's like, like you said, it seems to me like the guy has had some real awful stuff go down in his life. And it's been a a dark road these past few decades for him. And I don't know, I kind of just say, let bygones be bygones with that. It wasn't thousands of dollars he was stealing from any one individual, you know, sure the mass sum of it was, but I don't know. I kind of just feel like people need to let that go. At some point, you know, even if you're one of those people that did spend the hundred dollars, you have to move on. Yeah. This is a guy who's had a horrendous run of bad luck. Come on, signed to what was it? A eight record deal with chrysalis makes it through two records and then his band dumps him and goes on to massive success come on slaughter (laughs) was early 1990s a massive band i mean you know not not uh diamond selling but certainly a heck of a lot more successful than kiss or the vinnie invasion so and then your your wife your ex-wife gets murdered your wife dies young um you know and you lose a lose all your royalties to kiss because you sue them into the ground or you try to sue them into the ground and lose. So yeah, it, it, it's bad luck. And hopefully for Vinny, this is the light at the end of the tunnel that he's coming out and whatever is going to be, whether he wants to have an active musical career or make peace with his past, that that's all I can hope for. Yeah. That he's going to come out of it and be at peace with himself and what he has given the kiss community over the years, because lick it up, remains a fantastic kiss album so does everything he did on creatures of the night and obviously you have your favorite with invasion and i I have mine with all systems go and i love euphoria the ep right so um you know he's he's got some great music yeah absolutely well we look forward to seeing vinnie vincent in atlanta and i look forward to seeing you there julian and thank you for writing this great article on kiss alive 2 it's been 40 years now guys since kiss alive 2 you can read that article on talkingmetal.com in the news section it is there so please check that out give it a read let me know what you think and let julian know what you think and uh, what what can we play to take us out here is there a certain song you'd like to play julian you know, I, I said it at the top of the show, Mark. Let's um, go out with Rocket Ride by Ace Frehley. Great. Rocket Ride, the classic Rocket Ride, which featured... Now, are all four guys on this song? Is this is Gene playing bass or is that Ace on bass on this? You know, I don't have a clue whether yeah, Gene's on bass on this one. Yeah. This, this one, I was always under the impression that Ace brought this one in pretty much done. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, there you go. We know that Bob's not on it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Kulik, who is coming on Talking Metal soon, guys. So we'll definitely ask him about Kiss Alive 2. Although I heard he doesn't like really talking about Kiss Alive 2 that much. But he said he just wants to talk about his new record. But we'll definitely slip in a, a couple Kiss questions when we have him on. So stay tuned for that. Please use our Amazon links on TalkingMetal.com. You can support us on Patreon now. So join us there. Uh, of course, there's the PayPal account, which is just my email. It's striegelmark at gmail.com. And, uh, and yeah, leave us a five-star review on iTunes, too. We'd appreciate that. Check out 
All of Julian's books will have some Amazon links up to them in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. Of course, check out the site Kiss FAQ. Does anybody call it Kiss Facts? I used to call it, before I started talking with people, I used to call it that. It's just known as Kiss FAQ. I would prefer it was only known as Kiss FAQ because okay. the other one just doesn't sound right. Right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Cool. Kiss FAQ. We'll have that link through today's show notes too. And what about social media? Where's the best place to get on, in touch with you, Julian, online? You know, the Kiss FAQ and Kiss FAQ podcast just does have a Facebook presence. You can cool. find us on Facebook and uh, we're happy to engage with you on the positive or the negative. Excellent. Thank you, Julian. Mark, thanks a lot for having me on, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening and supporting all of my projects. Very much appreciate it. Here we go with Rocket Ride on Talking Metal.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.